Welcome to our final episode of this podcast series on the tragic Mumbai blasts of 1993. In this episode, we will recap the ground covered in our previous episodes and highlight the key lessons learned. We will also explore how Mumbai has changed since the terror attacks and how the victims have coped with the aftermath. Additionally, we will discuss measures to address these complex scenarios and possible solutions, empowering citizens to be alert, vigilant, and prepared to identify potential threats and take appropriate precautions for the future. Victims of violence and impact of terror attacks on human lives in Mumbai. Terrorism is a harsh reality that we all live with and the Mumbai blasts of 1993 served as a stark reminder of its devastating impact. The podcast includes a retelling of the personal experiences of few individuals affected by the 1993 Bombay bombings which killed 257 people and injured over 700 others. These events took place in the densely populated Kalbadevi business district as well as at the Air India building where lunch appointment turned into tragedy. The Bombay blast of 1993 was a devastating terrorist attack that caused widespread destruction and loss of life. One of the most enduring images of the blast was the photograph of an injured man stumbling through the wreckage of the Air India building, fear frozen on his face. This man was Brigadier G Natarajan, a veteran of the Indian Army who had retired and began working at Tata Consultancy Services. On the day of the blast, Natarajan had left his office to attend a meeting and was walking past the elevators when he saw a plume of flame shooting towards him. He had felt an intense searing sensation and thought that he had been thrust into the burning trunk of a tank in war. Bleeding from the stomach He was rushed to the Bombay hospital about 2 kilometers away where he stayed in the intensive care unit for the next week. Natarajan's memory has diminished considerably, but he believes that he owes his survival to his army training and the generous help his firm TCS gave him. Another victim of the blast was Suryakant Parshuram Patel, a housekeeping staff member at the Center Hotel near the domestic airport. Patel was mopping a patch of oil towards the end of his shift when there was a huge noise and some force propelled him face down onto the marble floor. The last thing he remembers was a sensation of intense pain and being soaked in blood. He woke up in the Nanavati hospital the following morning with injuries to his right leg, left shoulder blade and head. Over the years, the countless scars on his body, his inability to sleep on his left side and the weakness in his left arm have been constant reminders of that fateful day suryakant has become a fervent believer in god and still works at the center in the same lobby and corridors but he could not begin working until 12th march 1998 which he felt was the biggest step he had taken ashalta fatak lost her husband prakash fatak in the bombay blasts on the day of the blast Prakash was at work in the Saraswat Bank near Passport Office at Worli where he had been a peon for 20 years. Ashalda remembers waking up around 2:30 p.m. after hearing a loud noise which shook her entire building. She rushed to the gallery of her house where dozens of residents had gathered to see what had happened. Thick black smoke billowed skywards from the direction of Dadar. 10 minutes later There was another sound from the opposite direction from Worli. 
As she was to find out later, this blast at Worley was the one that killed Prakash as he was going to a nearby restaurant for lunch. She waited anxiously at home with her children, waiting for news, which only came the following morning when she got a call from Kem Hospital at Parel. Ashalta Fatak has had to grapple with the more immediate problems of educating and fending for her three children, Sarita, Santosh, and Sandesh, but she remembers her husband's death in the blast as if it happened just yesterday. One of the victims was Radhesham Poddha's son, Prashant, a 21-year-old chartered accountant student. He was amongst the scores of bodies piled up at GT Hospital after the blasts. The Poddhar family still performs a yearly ritual to honor their son's memory, but they feel little hope for justice. Another couple, Shakuntala and Tukaram Sot, were visiting the Air India building when the bomb exploded. They were to meet an old family friend, Ashok Chaturvedi, who unfortunately died soon after. Clifford, a passerby, helped the sorts get to the Bombay hospital where they were admitted in separate wards. Their daughter Namrata was told that her father was injured, but it was not until the following day that she learned he had passed away. Her mother, Shakuntala, was badly injured and unconscious. Namrata wished she had taken the chance to speak to her mother before she died, but it was too late. These stories are a reminder of the devastating impact of terrorist attacks on individuals and families. Accusations and trials in the Friday blasts in Mumbai in 1993 The Mammoth trial in the Bombay serial blast case of 1993 began on 30th June 1995, with the CBI concluding its investigation in 2001 after questioning 684 witnesses. With the last witness being Chief Investigating Officer, O.P. Chatwal. Over 13,000 pages of evidence and 2,500 exhibits were produced, with defense closing its case on 9 August 2002. The number of accused initially charged was 195, of which 44 were absconding. However, later, only 124 were accused, with 34 still in custody and the rest released on bail. Several high-profile accused, including Tiger Maimon and his brother Ayub, remained fugitives. The trial also saw several accused being discharged while others, including seven were killed either by rival gangsters or in police encounters. Two of the accused, Badshah Khan and Mohammad Umar Khatla, turned approvers and testified against Dawood Ibrahim and Tiger Maimon, the alleged masterminds of the blasts. Sanjay Dutt, another accused from the film world, disowned his confessional statement made to the police while in custody, claiming he was forced to sign it. Of the investigating officers, many have moved on to other positions, including Judge Jain Patel, who became a High Court judge and was transferred to Nagpur in 1996. Tiger Maimon is believed to be living in Karachi and is allegedly under the control of ISI, according to Usman Majid, a former member of the Jammu and Kashmir Students' Liberation Front. Tiger's lavish lifestyle and business ventures were reportedly curtailed by the ISI after his brother Yakub returned to India. 
Usman believes that Tiger's decision to carry out the bombings was an impulsive one and he did not realize that he would spend the rest of his lifetime as a hunted man. An audio excerpt of his interview narrating experience of meeting Tiger Memon is included in today's podcast. Main to inko POK Pakistan occupied Kashmir mein mila hu 93 and mein. Jab Bombay blast hue the uske baad Students Liberation Front aur baad mein wo Iqbal Muslimin tha. तो उसके चीफ के जरिए वो ही कैम टू आवर ऑफिस उसने कहा कि टाइगर मैंने मैं तो एक मिनट के लिए चौक गया मैंने कहा इसके फोटोग्राफ में मैंने मोटे वो बड़ा मोटा देखा है मोटा आदमी था ये कैसे इतना पतला हो गया वो कहते थे कि हम कराची में रहते हैं कराची कराची से सीधा आते थे वहाँ उस वक्त कोई ऐसा नहीं था उस वक्त तो उसके भाई ने शायद वो उसके कहने के हिसाब से सरेंडर किया क्योंकि उसका वो क्या था कि उसके भाई ने सरेंडर किया है तो उस वक्त वो बिल्कुल कोई ऐसा नहीं था कि वो उसको कोई डर खोप था कोई परेशानी थी वो आता रहता था दो तीन बार आया एक बार तो मेरी उसकी बॉक्सिंग हो गई तो मैंने बिकॉज मैं कॉलेज के दौरान बॉक्सिंग में बड़ा इंटरेस्टेड था तो एक बार उसको मेरा पंच पड़ गया वो जरा इसमें ये था आई थाट ही इज डेड मैंने मैं समझाया अभी तो मेरे लिए मुसीबत कड़ी हो जाएगी ये जो इन्वेस्टिगेटिंग एजेंसीज हमारी हैं हमारे मुल्क के हैं उनको तो सब इसके बारे में पता है लेकिन जो उसने बताया उसने ये बोला कि एग्जीक्यूट उसने करवाया है जो जितना भी वो ब्लास्ट उस वक्त हुए उसके जो गैंग थी उन्होंने उनसे एग्जीक्यूट करवाई ही वो डायरेक्टली इसमें इन्वॉल्व था और आई ने उसको सामान और ये बारूद वगैरह भेज दिया था वहाँ से वो खुद समंदर के रास्ते शायद कह रहा था पाकिस्तान से समंदर के रास्ते आया तो फिर क्या था हमने वो अनलोड करके दाएं बाएं छुपाया उनने कहा कि हमने पहले तो हमने ये डिसाइड किया था कि हम हिंदुस्तान के आठ स्टेटों में अटैक्स करेंगे लेकिन उसके बाद ये हुआ कि हमने कहा कि अगर ये ब्रेक हुआ तो फिर ये सब हो जाएगा चौपट हो जाएगा तो उन्होंने फिर फ्राइडे के दिन वो एक ही दिन हफ्ते के अंदर अंदर ही जब वो लड़का जेल हुआ उसी उसी हफ्ते के अंदर अंदर उन्होंने वो ब्लास्ट किए उस वक्त वो कह रहा था कि उस वक्त मैं दुबई में था जब ब्लास्ट हुई दुबई से ही आई वालों ने मुझे वहाँ से निकाला क्योंकि एक्सपोज तो इमीजिएटली हुआ था किस किसने किया इसके साथ कुछ खास अपने लोग थे कहते वो मैंने दूसरे रास्ते से वहाँ वहाँ लाए हाँ वो कराची में उसके पास कोई जगह थी वहीं रह रहा था बड़ा उस वक्त तो वो ठाट बाट से रह रहा था इसमें कोई दोहराई नहीं है लेकिन अगर देखा जाए तो उस वक्त पहचानना भी उसको मुश्किल होता क्योंकि वो वो उसके उसने अपने शरीर को बहुत हद तक चेंज किया था बहुत हद तक जो इसके फोटोग्राफ चाहे वो टीवी में लोगों ने देखे चाहे वो न्यूज़पेपर्स में आए मैगजीन में आए वो डिफरेंट थे उस वक्त जो उसने अपने आप को उसको बदल दिया वो तो तब परेशानी हुई जब याकूब का वो चर्चा आ गया तो उसके उसके जब चर्चे चर्चे शुरू हो गए कि उसने वहाँ पाकिस्तान में बड़ी आईएसआई में और गवर्नमेंट में बड़ा गड़बड़ हुआ था कि वो बड़े पैनिक हुए थे कि याकूब है सरेंडर्ड उस दौरान टाइगर भी गायब हो गया वो लोग कह रहे थे टाइगर गायब हो गया तो वो बकोले टाइगर के वो भाग गया था दुबई तो वहाँ आई भी बड़ा उसमें बड़ा पैनिक हो गया था कहीं ये भी सरेंडर ना करें उन्होंने वो आपस में कोई चैनल वनल करके उनको मना के वापस पाकिस्तान लाया तो पाकिस्तान उसके बाद फिर वो एक बार फिर पीओ के आ गए तो मे हम मेरी उनसे इसके बारे में जिक्र हुई मैंने कहा आप कहाँ गए थे क्या वजह और उस वक्त मैंने जो उसकी हालत देखी उस वक्त वो बड़ा डिसअपॉइंटेड लग रहा था बड़ा डिप्रेस्ड लग रहा था और वो बॉडी लैंग्वेज उसकी ऐसी थी कि वो तजब्जुब का शिकार लग रहा था कि डबल माइंड है कि क्या करूँ कैसा हुआ ये हुआ वो हुआ गलत हुआ सही हुआ तो वो बाई के उस वजह से 
जहाँ तक आई का सवाल आई ने इसलिए इसको वापस लाया कहीं ये भी सरेंडर ना करे कि हमारे लिए उधम फिर पूरी दुनिया में हम खजल खार हो जाए तो वो उस वजह से उनको वापस लाए लेकिन फिर उसने टाइगर ने एक और बात बताई कि तब उसके पास वो शान शौकत नहीं थी जो पहले वाली शान शौकत उसके पास थी आई ने उसको बड़ा वो उस लिहाज से डाउनग्रेड किया था उसके पास दो तीन गाड़ियाँ लग्जूरियस गाड़ियाँ वो कह रहा था मेरे पास थी कहता वो सब विड्रा हो गए हैं मेरे पास एक टूटी फूटी करोला है The initial plan was to bomb several cities including New Delhi, Calcutta, Bangalore, Chennai and Ahmedabad. The ISI of Pakistan landed enough material for their nefarious plan in India. However, logistical problems and a lack of a credible network led to the remaining plan being put in abeyance. The Mumbai serial bombings had to be postponed by about a month due to the arrest of Gullu, one of the field operators of Tiger Memon. The perpetrators had earlier planned this devastation during the Ram Navmi in April 1993. Mumbai blasts of 1993 are watershed in Indian history and its felt impact. Yes, the Mumbai blasts of 1993 were a significant event in India's history and had a profound impact on the country's approach to counterterrorism. The attacks highlighted the ability of extremist groups to carry out large-scale coordinated attacks and underscored the need for much stronger active measures to combat the menace of terrorism. The government's response to the attacks included the creation of specialized anti-terrorism response units, strengthening of intelligence gathering capabilities, and enactment of tougher anti-terrorism laws. These measures were aimed at enhancing the country's preparedness to counter terrorist threats. The attacks also demonstrated the interconnectedness of global terrorism with links between the perpetrators in India and extremist groups based in Pakistan. This highlighted the need for international cooperation in combating terrorism and addressing its root causes. Today, India continues to face significant threats from terrorism and the Mumbai blasts of 1993 serve as a tragic reminder of the devastating impact of terrorism and the ongoing need for concerted efforts to combat this global threat. Insights of previous episodes, key lessons from 1993 blasts and other terror attacks. The Mumbai blasts of 1993 and subsequent terrorist attacks in Mumbai have provided important lessons for preventing and responding to future threats. Intelligence gathering and sharing, enhanced security measures, preparedness and training, public awareness and education, interagency coordination, community involvement, effective counterterrorism strategies, border security. Enforcement agencies and a strong legal framework are critical components of a comprehensive and coordinated approach to prevent and respond to actions of terror. It is important to continually review and update security measures to address emerging threats and vulnerabilities. The resilience and strength shown by the people of Mumbai in the face of repeated terrorist attacks deserve recognition and tribute. How Mumbai has changed in aftermath of terror attacks. It is clear that the 1993 terror attacks in Mumbai had a lasting impact on the city and its people. While significant progress has been made to improve the security situation, there are still areas that require attention and improvement. The establishment of specialized counterterrorism units, police reform, and the introduction of anti-terrorism laws have all contributed to better preparedness and response to terror threats. 
However, there is a need for continued investment in modern technologies, infrastructure, and emergency response systems to ensure that the city is better equipped to handle any potential threats. Additionally, there must be increased cooperation and coordination among law enforcement agencies, as well as addressing the root causes of violence and disharmony through education, economic development, and social integration. Lastly, public awareness, participation, and involvement are critical to the fight against terrorism. Citizens need to be educated about the signs of suspicious activity and be encouraged to report the indicators of unrest to law enforcement agencies. Overall, it is essential to continue working towards ensuring the safety and security of Mumbai's multicultural diaspora. Join us for a special audio clip featuring former Mumbai Police DCP Rakesh Maria as he shares his thoughts with the media following the historic verdict announcement in this trial. Listen to this exclusive parting excerpt of Mr. Maria's interview. I must compliment the CBI and the Mumbai police for the investigation because they have been able, you know, this group, this group of seven which was there was basically part of the conspiracy. You know, the earlier, uh, you know, the earlier group, you know, 125 people were charge sheeted in the uh, earlier charge sheet out of which 100 got convicted. Now, there, apart from Yakub Memon, who was one of the main conspirators, the planners and the financers, the rest of the people were, uh, you know, the landing agents, the, the, the foot soldiers, the one who, who, who uh, uh, you know, uh, escorted and helped in the landing of the uh, arms, ammunition, explosives, who uh, transported it uh, into the city, who went and wrecked the various locations, filled the vehicles with explosives and on 12th March uh, drove and dropped the vehicles <coughs> to the various locations, uh, the 12 locations where the blast took place. The, you know, this, that was the earlier group. But this group was the one which took part in the main conspiracy meetings in Dubai where it was decided to do something in India, Mumbai, where it was planned how to go about doing it, you know, recruit uh, youngsters, send them out for training, um, you know, see that the arms, ammunition, explosives are smuggled into the country, uh, stored at safe locations, and then on the day of the blast, uh, Use so you know this group was the group which was part of that conspiracy. They were also uh, the financers, the the money, uh, the financing part. They, they so that way it is very very important because the court, you know, the the conspiracy theory, the 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 investigation, the investigating team, you know, the, the, which which did the conspiracy, but it stood judicial scrutiny. So it you know this conspiracy which was hatched abroad, but you know three fourth of it was hatched abroad the rest of the meetings took place here that has been proved in the court today you see you know uh, uh, if you recollect on 12th march when 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 uh, when the blast occurred you know uh, the the main uh, task before mumbai police at that time was to ensure that the city does not go back to uh, december and january 92 93 so that was the main task then now when this in, when the blast 
occurred you know the special team was formed and uh, you know the then commissioner mr samra and the joint commissioner mr mn singh they constituted a team and i was asked to uh, head that team to investigate so i got a good group of uh, investigators and you know that on naigaon crossroad you know dadar the uh, abandoned scooter which was there where uh, you know the bomb bds team came uh, they found uh, you know we had to, we, we didn't even know what was uh, rdx at that time and the bds team came and said that this is rdx and then that scooter was towed away and taken to matunga police station as part of evidence in that case and then subsequently you know uh, uh, those that abandoned uh, mfc 1972 the 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 maruti van which was found abandoned at siemens uh, at worli right. and you know when we went back we found that that vehicle belonged to one of the memen wives and uh, we went i think it was rubina it went we went to uh, uh, the house and under panchnama the memen house uh, was opened at mahim and uh, that alusaini building and from there the whole uh, you know asgar ali mukadam one of the accused who got convicted in that case who was manager of tiger mem and he was brought in that night his interrogation then the whole thing fell into place but it, you know today's as i mentioned earlier today's invest, uh, you know conviction is very very important because these were the main planners and financers these are the people who along with daud abraham and the iss sat in uh, Dubai and planned out the whole thing. How uh, boys have to be bought for training. How the explosives, uh, arms, ammunition have to be smuggled into the country. Right. How you know money part, everything. So you know this this conviction. You know I must compliment the CBI that they 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 were able to prove the conspiracy and the role of these people. Even though the whole their act, the conspiracy and other thing was held abroad. you know you must keep one thing in mind what you know in but uh, in this case uh, you know when it when it occurred you know in 93 12 march 1993 you know mumbai police computers were just making their way into mumbai police i remember once the whole you know the we were putting together the chart sheet at that time uh, you know four computers were given to us for putting up the chart sheet uh, you know getting that typing done and getting the whole uh, chart sheet prepared four computers were given to us there were no mobile phones during that uh, time our teams which were going out to arrest you know all over the country the teams went to arrest various uh, accused so there were no mobile phones at uh, that time so when the teams were going they had to come go to a nearest pco get in touch with us and receive instructions or inform us as to what is the progress and the whole secrecy had to be maintained because if you if, if it was leaked out so and so was arrested the entire chain would be uh, broken so you know these were the constraints under which the team worked during that uh, time yes it the, the, the you know justice has been slow but then you know we, we, it is the judicial process the entire judicial process nobody can say that you know uh, without proper judicial scrutiny conviction uh, was done you know opportunity was given to everybody the best of lawyers appeared for the uh, defense and you know everybody got yes it takes time but you know nobody can point a finger you know our you know 12th march this blast took place 14th march 
you know within 48 hours despite the constraints and other things we were able to detect this case within 48 uh, hours so you know yes uh, you know one feels that justice should be speedy uh, it should with uh, the you know it should end but then you know equal opportunity to be given to the defense to put forth its case the prosecution to prove its uh, uh, case i think uh, you know one should accept uh, you know the long uh, time it has taken for the right. justice to be done one would feel sorry one would feel bad if an innocent person was hung he was very much involved in the uh, conspiracy he was very much involved in giving motivational talks to all the youngsters who went from here to pakistan via dubai he was very much part of uh, it and uh, you had 713 people who got injured 257 who died what about justice to them and i think the loss at that time in 1993 was estimated anywhere between 27 crores to 30 crores which may today appear to be a very small figure and you know they hit at you know this was the financial capital the stock market the air india building the five star uh, hotel the whole plan was uh, to destroy the financial capital of this country one should think of that also no innocent man has been convicted in this case yakub memon was not innocent so is hanging one should not feel sorry about it daud left this country in 86 87 uh but tiger memon left by the emirates flight at 5 o'clock in the morning of 12th uh, march so before the offense occurred tiger had left if they were in this country i can assure you probably today they also would have been convicted and got the sentence that they deserved and you know yes the feeling is there that the, these main people are uh, still out but the fact that the conspiracy has been proved it you know it is a matter of great satisfaction So, you know that see 93 probably was the first big serial blast anywhere in the world and in mumbai it was the precursor to the other uh, blast which occurred this was the first time when the isi uh, took the help of uh, the mumbai underworld the daud ibrahim uh, group to engineer this uh, and you know this was from from the 93 blast onwards you know the the isi plan that the city you know the financial capital should be attacked and the financial capital you uh, organize blasts and uh, uh, destroy the financial capital it will impact the country so mumbai will always continue to be a target of terrorists you know not only mumbai any big city today no country state or nation can say that it is free from the threat of terrorist strike you know one cannot be complacent even with the arrest of these people the conviction of these people one has to always be alert and good network system is very very important today series conclusion and that brings us to the end of our special series on the mumbai terror attacks of 1993 We hope this episode has shed light on the events of that tragic day and provided a better understanding of the impact it had on the city and its people. We would like to express our heartfelt condolences to the victims and their families. As we remember those who lost their lives, let us also acknowledge the bravery and resilience of the people of Mumbai who rose up in the face of adversity and stood united in the aftermath of this tragedy. As we conclude this series, we encourage our listeners to remain vigilant and prepared in the face of potential threats, while also promoting social harmony and unity.
Let us continue to stand together and support one another in times of adversity. As we come to a close, we want to take a moment to acknowledge the individuals who were instrumental in bringing this case to a legal conclusion. From the tireless efforts of police officers like Mr. Rakesh Maria and Mr. Y.C. Pavar, to the insightful reporting of journalists such as Ms. Trehan and Mr. S. Hussain Zaidi. These individuals dedicated themselves to pursuing the truth, no matter the obstacles that lay in their way. Their stories have been captured in the pages of print media archives and books, serving as a testament to the resilience and spirit of our nation. We have learned about the many facets of human nature the good, the bad, and everything in between. Through their efforts, we have come to understand that even in the darkest of times, there is always a glimmer of hope. As we move forward, it is important to remember these experiences and the lessons they impart. The youth of today must take a learning leaf from these experiences and preserve them in their bouquet of lifetime experiences. We must continue to strive towards prosperity, growth, and development, and uphold the values of our great nation. So, we extend a heartfelt gratitude to all those who bashed on regardless, pursuing this case to its finality and legal conclusion. Their contributions will continue to inspire and guide us in our collective journey towards a brighter future. Thank you for tuning into this episode of our podcast. And until next time, stay curious, stay inspired, and stay informed. We hope you'll join us again for our next podcast series. Do check us out as we decode some other event that shaped the dynamics of India in its journey of evolution and growth. All the best and do take good care until we meet again. Jai Hind and goodbye.